What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Put It In The Books podcast, where this week we're going to be taking a leap into the future five years from now, going into 2025. We just entered 2021. It's our first podcast of the new year, but we're going five years in the future for this episode and looking at what the Mets roster could look like. And each of our hosts has a hypothetical lineup, hypothetical rotation and bench, and seeing which free agents, which trades, which ex- extension candidates the Mets will look into over the next five years. Obviously, this offseason is still a work in progress with building the roster with still holes in the rotation and the outfield. But we're going to make some predictions about who we think the Mets will resign or trade for or go after in free agency. Also, which prospects might be coming up or which prospects the Mets might trade for. So some of these answers might surprise you. Be a fun way to look ahead five years from now. And we can also talk about what the Mets looked like five years ago. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, the Mets were in the World Series five years ago. So five years is a long time. Me and Alex were talking about it earlier. And we've, we're pretty sure it's only Conforto, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Familia, and... Um, Barely familiar and uh, Mets. That's it. That's the only players remaining from the World Series roster. Yeah, so we can t- take a be- look back at the roster and how that's transformed since Sandy Olsen and then Brody and then back to Sandy Olsen. But before we get into that main topic, the main conversation of the episode, we're going to talk about a little bit of Mets news. Uh, no signings or trades or any transactions really, but uh, the posting date for Tomoyuki Sugano is approaching and he's likely to make his decision for his next team. It may even be by the time this podcast comes out. We not we don't know. I guess the Mets still could be a possibility, but their interest seems to be waning with John Heyman and Joel Sherman saying that the Mets' interest lies elsewhere and the Giants and the Blue Jays are more likely landing spots for the pitcher. So kind of disappointing, for at least for me. What do you guys think about the news that Tugano is not likely to be a Met? Um, well... I was kind of, I was looking at like past international signings by the Mets and we'd been kind of savvy and not really putting all our money in one place. Um, for instance, like two of our best prospects, uh, Ronnie Mauricio and Francisco Alvarez are both international signings and they didn't cost too much because we kind of invested in them early. And Sugano is more of like a proven um, entity, but he's not proven in the MLB. Um, the baseball league he's in, the NPL, I believe, is kind of rated as like a double A, maybe like a in between double A and triple A. So like even though he has done really well there, and you know, you know, it's a very impressive numbers he's put up and the consistency. I mean, if he was in the MLB, he would have been called up a couple of years ago, and more than a couple. Uh, yeah, at least you know, like five Man's years ago, good. five or so Man's years ago. Good. He's. I mean, yeah, Mans is good. He's supposed to be between a number two and four starter. Like fully expected industry wide. He's not. You know. He's not a question mark like, oh, yeah, his upside's there. Like, no, nah, he's he's there. He's just a slot right in and be an effective starter immediately. It's in the middle of someone's rotation. Yeah, but in in the COVID market, that also means that there's a lot of teams that are interested in him since he's not, you know, he's going to be a very cost-effective option with a uh, low-risk, high-reward, and that's someone that a, t- a team would love to have. And, again, very little red flags. I'm not MLB proven, but he, he did pitch very well in the World Baseball Classic, I think that that's what that tournament was called. You know, they I think they've maybe called like the Baseball World Cup once. Those are what you're, no, you're right. The you're right. They, they've called. 
Okay, so the the World Baseball Classic, he did very well against uh, big league hitters. So, I mean, that's a very good sign. He's been the best pitcher in the MPL. But I, I could see why the Mets aren't top dogs on him. I know it's very frustrating as a Mets fan that we're not, you know, fully in on this guy. But when you have you know, at least, like, six teams that are interested in him, I mean, the San Francisco Giants, for God's sakes, like, they're not a very – competitive team i would say they're not like win they're now looking to transition this year they're there i've seen multiple reports that uh they're looking to spend some money this offseason you know they're they have weren't terrible terrible the last year and a half or so so they're looking to make that transition i don't know if i agree with it you know i don't really see a lot of young talent coming but they've been somewhat competitive so i guess they're looking to make a push yeah so he's a good fit on a lot of baseball teams so I'm, i am disappointed that they're not interested in him but there are a lot of other um mid-rotation starters that are available uh, it's just i'm kind of uh interested and you know very um i'm kind of questioning like in my head right now like who are the mets interested in because if they're interested in him as waning they certainly need like one or two starting pitchers if they get bauer maybe they don't get another starting pitcher but you know i think one or two is necessary yeah, uh, I think it's unfortunate that they're uh, not interested. You know, he seemed, <clears throat> like I said, he seemed like a pretty solid mid-rotation option, industry-wide expected to be a good effective option, not really a question mark. Um, I mean, I don't really know what they're looking to do. In the last week podcast, I said I wanted them to sign Masahiro Tanaka away from the Yankees, but reports since then have said it's Yankees or he's going back to Japan, so that seems off the table as well. Uh, so I don't really know what their plan is moving forward. And as we've said in previous podcasts, this offseason's pitching market is not the greatest. There's not a lot of depth, and there's really only one star option in Trevor Bauer, and it doesn't seem like they're very interested in him. So curious to see where they go from here. You know, I don't love the options of the free agent market, so maybe there's a trade in the works. Who knows? I know previously they've said they've tried, they're going to try to do more free agent stuff because they have a lot of money to spend, whereas – they don't really have the prospects to move around. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, not I don't know. It just doesn't look good to me. This is not doesn't seem like the offseason to really need pitching. It's a bad one to need pitching. I hope they don't force the issue, sign someone long term. Uh, Mike, you're up next. Uh, yeah, you know, Justin and Alex kind of summed everything up. Uh, but more so what I want to talk about is what Justin was saying. Uh, Towards the end, like, yeah, it's kind of weird what's going on with the Mets. Uh, at first, the reports were all saying that we wanted to land at least two of the four big name guys in the market. And now it's kind of seeming like we're steering toward uh, steering away from all of them. Rather, um, I don't really know much of what's going on. Honestly, it, it seems like everything that's coming out is super conflicting reports. So it's hard to stay on top of. Yeah, that's very. F- and I think it's. We've been kind of spoiled. You know, it's been only a few months since Seiko and took over the team. But now that, like, we have all this money, like, every free agent we don't sign, like, we're, you know, we're disappointed about not getting that person. So, yeah, we can't sign everybody. I think for me, the the appeal with getting Sugana would have been, since we're not likely to get, like Mike said, we're not likely to get two of the big four. We're not going to get Trevor Bauer and George Springer. So, if we were able to get George Springer, we could still get a high ceiling arm in Sugano without having to pay the price that Trevor Bauer would want to pay, would want to ask for. So Sugano is likely to sign for three or four years, above the 14 million per season. So that's very, it's not really risky at all. And you have a very high upside with him. There is risk with him. He's not perfect. He could easily come over and be a nice, a 
Daisuke Matsuzaka, a guy that flames out after a year or two. So I I am Daisuke Matsuzaka. He was on the Mets like for a hot sec. He wasn't bad with them actually, but uh, well, yeah, well, I think it would have been a good sign for them too because the Mets have not been active internationally. And like Alex alluded to before, they've been pretty terrible when it comes to signing international free agents. Like Kaz Matsui was terrible. Whereas the Yankees got like Tanaka and yeah, Hideki Matsui, like the, the Mets really could have made a statement signing, in my opinion, by getting Sugano by saying under Steve Cohen, we're going to be involved with these international players and be involved with those different like scouting those different areas where the Bullpons never put money into. But I guess it's not to be, but oh, oh, what happened? New, new report? report? What happened, Mafuchi? <laughs> Tanaka says he'll consider other teams besides the Yankees. Yeah. Okay, so, so maybe maybe there's some hope still. Maybe they can poach Tanaka away from the Yankees. I think that'd be a good signing. I think he's the most reliable track record of all the free agent starters. For, for episode. <laughs> so annual Tanaka. I don't know what the word is, but promoting Tanaka. So like yeah, like so I don't know if you guys caught that in the audio, but Tanaka apparently was fielding offers from all teams, not just the Yankees or J- Japanese teams. So Tanaka could be a fallback to Sugano, but let's move past Sugano. The John Heyman also reported just recently that the Mets are also interested in Brad Hand. I know Stanley Olson name dropped him during his uh, introductory press conference. So what do you guys think about Brad Hand? I guess we can go reverse this time. We can start with Mike if you want to, or you know, you don't have anything to say about. Uh, no, I I am a huge Brad oh, Hand okay, fan. Let's go. Um, I think that honestly, he's one of the best closers in the league. I know I talked with Justin. Uh, I believe his argument was was Hater um, was was better, uh, or maybe Liam Hendricks. I forget exactly which one it was. Um, but, Liam Hendricks is like, yeah, yeah yeah. I mean like. If you like, I we don't. I don't want to get into it, but stat for stat, like Hendricks has been better since the start of 2019. But Brad Hand is perfect, really good anyway. But keep going. Oh yeah, I I have been a huge Brad Hand fan for the past like three years. Um, he has just been lights out. It would be an amazing acquisition for the Mets to get. Uh, it it would just be like I, I don't know. I I would finally feel confident in our closing role. Um, so do you think he would close sure talk? I, I mean, don't I do you think he would close. Yeah, I don't I don't see a reason why he wouldn't. I mean, he's closed pretty much everywhere he went, right? He closed in Cleveland, he closed in San Diego. He's still in San Diego, right? Mm, he's a free agent right oh, now. Oh yeah, obviously. yeah. He was with no, he was he got traded from San Diego to Cleveland. I thought it was the other way around. Was no, it the other way? No. Nah. Yeah, Padres to Cleveland. For show. Yeah, hundred percent was on Cleveland the last couple of years. He was also good with the Padres too. Yeah, he was good with both. He was perfectly good yeah, with so, both. Yeah, so so the point the point still stands though that he's been phenomenal wherever he went. And I just don't see a reason why he wouldn't close on the Mets. Like, yes, I understand that you you would the argument would be we have Familia still, we have Patances even, we have Diaz even still, but like he's finally a good player. If if we're going after hand at that point, he's clearly better than all the three guys I just named. Yeah, so I I think I'm a big Brad Hand fan. I talked about him in the previous podcast about wanting him. He's been named dropped by Sandy, and the Mets most definitely do need a left or reliever, not having a for sure one on the roster at the moment. Um, Jerry, Blevins? Jerry Blevins is is he on the forty man roster? Isn't he on a no, tryout deal? Yeah, minor league deal. Maybe Steven yeah, Bass so makes his way to the Jerry Blevins. Again. 
I don't know that we can count on Jerry Blevins to perform like he did in 2015 and 16. It's been a few years. Maybe he'll surprise us. But uh, Brad Hand, I mean, yeah, I think he'd be a good signing. Like I said, they really need a lefty. Uh, As for being the closer, I think it doesn't matter who they sign. Edwin Diaz is going to be given first shot at the closer role. Whether you like it or not, Mets fans, that's just probably how it's going to be. Uh, I don't like it. I personally am a fan of the closer by committee. When you have as many good back-end options as you do, let's if they do side hand, you have hand, Diaz, uh, Lugo, Trevor May. Those are four very good back-end options. I don't see – there's no reason to put anyone into one set role. You can only pitch in the ninth. You can only pitch in the eighth. It should very much be situational. If there's a lefties coming up, Brad Hand should be the guy. If someone's – if there's a bigger situation, whoever you deem your best reliever, likely Seth Lugo – He's the guy that goes in. So, Justin Wilson is a free agent. Uh, so, if, I don't know if the audio just caught that. Mafuchi just asked if uh, do you think the Mets will re-sign Justin Wilson. I haven't heard any rumblings on that. Uh, it's certainly possible, but I – Yeah, I, I would be all right with it. He was very good. Yeah, he was perfectly good with the Mets. I just haven't heard anything about it. So, like, I'm not expecting it to happen per se. Yeah, there's like guys like Justin Wilson are going to be available deep into the offseason. I think you definitely want to try to go for Big Fish Brad Hand before Justin Wilson. I mean, not that Wilson's bad, but uh, I mean, it's possible. I just don't think it's expected at the moment. Haven't heard anything about it. Uh, Alex, thoughts on Brad Hand? I mean, I think he's a good looking dude. Um, <laughs> as we heard, he's a lefty, so that's good. You always, you always need... Always need lefties. We have we have about you know negative five lefties. They're all hitters. All our lefties are hitters. There's no room for pitchers. No room for lefty pitchers. We we reach the maximum lefties. I mean, but but in all seriousness, I think everyone kind of summed it up. He he fits a need, um, and he's gonna be relatively cheap. I mean, look at our contracts for um, you know, Familia and Betances. Like those are two con. Those are booty contracts that in the COVID market, they would be getting about half that if probably less than half of what they got. So, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the Mets signing one of these uh, big relievers. There's certainly, you know, five, six or seven ones who I'd be very happy to get any one of them. Um, if you, if anyone listened to our last podcast, I want to get Brad, Brad Hand and Trevor Rosenthal. But if we just get Brad Hand and we, we go with what we have right now, I think that's also going to be a big improvement to the bullpen. Trevor uh, May and Brad Hand is a huge yeah, improvement. I think something that – um. I mean, Brad Hand is like the biggest improvement, just be, just based on the fact that he's like the only lefty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like that, like Brad Hand. I feel like Brad Hand is definitely like one of the most important signings for the Mets because the Mets have zero lefties in the bullpen, and like he's just honestly one of the most solid closers in baseball right now. And the fact that he went unclaimed for ten million dollars is insane because I feel like he should go somewhere in between like the like the 13 range honestly maybe even higher i kind of feel like 10 million is like isn't that isn't that like kind of expensive for like relief pitchers like I, no 10 10 million is definitely less than what we're paying familia and batantis i think they're both getting like somewhere around 11 million dollars which is batantis way too much is getting like six i think familia is he really is getting 10 I think. familia is the one getting more yeah he's getting 10 i think so yeah, Familia is the one getting overpaid. The top contract for a closer is Kenley Jansen at twenty million. They both are. Yeah. Um. Just to like finish up with like Brad Hand. Uh. It's no like. Let's be. Let's be serious here. Like the Mets 
starting rotation was was dog last year. Like it was not good. Um, you know, one of the worst in the league in terms of ERA. I think it would be beneficial for us to have a bullpen that our manager can go to when a starter starts to you know falter. Um, even in like the fourth inning, uh, we saw like the Rays uh, got to the World Series doing that. Uh, it certainly didn't work out by by pulling Blake Snell, but Blake Snell was also dealing and. Um, you know, certainly like Mets pitchers who were dealing, I would not want them to be taken out too early. I think Brad Hamlin would be a great addition. It would give us uh, three guys who I really trust in the bullpen. So our seventh, eighth, ninth inning is kind of locked down. And then we you know, trust our other relievers to kind of do better earlier in the game in lower leverage situations. Uh, maybe familiar and Betances by pitching in like the, the fourth, fifth, sixth innings, maybe like that get their confidence back. I mean, it's, it's like well known that pitchers pitch better in lower leverage situations. Yeah, so talking about the bullpen, um, I guess we'll take a crack at predicting predicting the bullpen for twenty twenty five. It's what we're only gonna do a closure, I think, just because like bullpens are such a crapshoot, and like little, all the Mets bullpens guys right now are all guys that were either traded for or signed in for agency. So that's kind of how bullpens go year by year basis, but. I guess we can start out with the bullpen since we were talking about Brad Hand and the bullpen. We can talk about the closure for the Mets in 2025. So right now the closure in 2020 is Edwin Diaz. He has two more years of team control before being eligible for free agency. In my opinion, Diaz is not on my 2025 roster, even though Diaz, he's 26 right now. He'll be 30, 31 in 2025. I just don't, I mean, Diaz has already had his, like, I don't know, LOL Mets, like, blowing save moments. I just – do you really picture Edwin Diaz? Yeah, do you see Edwin Diaz closing out a World Series? Like, I, he's been great, like, underlying statistics and even, like, you know, strikeout rate, ERA. But he really – I mean, you can't calculate, like, being on clutch, I guess. But he's just so bad in terms of uh, coming in tight situations and nailing down a save or – Getting a getting a hold, so I I'm going with Josh Hader as my closure. He's at the Brewers. He's a similar situation to Diaz, where he's a free agent I think in two years. But Hader's been much more reliable, and he has a very comparable strikeout rate to Edwin Diaz, and he's also a lefty. So I mean, I have them going the free agent route. They don't have a ton of guys in their system that can be a pro- profile as a closure. Unless you want to convert some of their starting pitchers in the minors to be in the be a closure, which sometimes happen. Hater's a free agent after twenty twenty three, so that would be three years away. Okay, so three years away, so he would be a Met. Felipe Vasquez. I. Brian Gilliam is like in the AAA right now. He has a AAA. He's in the Mets farm right now as a relief pitcher. He could be. A, he has closure type stuff, but I think the Mets are going to go with the with the, the free agent route and get Josh Hader. Who do you guys have as your closures? So, like, because of the nature of this exercise, it's uniquely difficult to predict who's going to be our closer in twenty twenty five. I think that a pattern has emerged for relief pitchers where they get like two-year contracts, and another pattern has like emerged in which there's just not many relievers who are really good for 
like a very long time. So I just could not bring myself to predict like any relief pitcher that we could, you know, conceivably sign in like 2024 because the ones who are really good right now, I, I'm not sure if any of them are going to be very good. I just, you know, penciled it and Diaz as our closer um, Brody kind of, kind of when he made that trade, he was like, this is going to be our closer for the next you know decade. I think he traded for him when he was only like 23 or 24. Um, the way that Edwin Diaz pitched last season was really good. Uh, the blown saves were were very bad, though. But I think that that also is just kind of luck. Like he, you know, happened to have faltered at the wrong times. Um, also, he had his strikeout rate. I think it was 18. So he was striking out. You know, two out of uh, every three outs. I think that that's something that you can't kind of teach too much. Um, yeah, I, I just don't really know who else I would pick necessarily. So I just chose to like stick with the continuity, go with Edwin Diaz as our closer. Uh, I'm not saying that he's going to be a closer this year or even the next year, because I mean, if he, uh, he, he, it's, he, he has the closer role, but his leash is not too long, but I do think that he'll, out of, out of anyone, my best bet would be him. I'm not saying he has more than a, he has a, even close to a 50% chance of being the closer in 2025. I just think it's the highest probability outcome. I mean, out of the roster, out of the roster right now, he's the only one that's even like sort of likely to say like everyone else, like May, Batanzas, Familiar, they'll be long gone by 2025. So if anyone on the current roster has a chance to be the closer, it's Edwin Diaz. But you know, things like this tend to work themselves out. Yeah, exactly. It's probably going to be some someone who's like a no name right now. Yeah, I, I agree with both of that. It's like, it's way, Alex said it best. It's way too hard to tell who our closer is going to be five years from now. All right. So, uh, you guys make some good points, like what y'all said. Um, so, I think that it's like Alex said, it's it's hard to project a closer in a bullpen so far. Bullpens are so volatile year to year. You know, you're not going to have any long term contracts. I agree. If there was someone on this team to be the closer, it would be Edwin Diaz, but his contract does expire before then. Uh, we just don't know how good it'll be by then. So we'll see. Like, you know, you just don't know. But uh, let's see. There's an external route they could go. Uh, I penciled in Jordan Hicks, who would be age 28, heading into 2025. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the Clark Cardinals would love to keep him. We'll have to see how he is coming off injury. But man can throw as hard as anybody. Uh, supposed to be a great closer, you know, the next Chapman. But, uh, you know, it's hard. We'll see. Maybe the Cardinals will keep him. I'm sure they want to. So we'll see. But, you know, money talks. Uh who knows if they'll even make it to the open market. If the Mets were to go the internal route, I have Josh Wolf, who is right now a starting pitching prospect. Uh, people aren't, like, crazy high on him, though. You know, it's supposed to be maybe a back-end starter. Um, so I'm thinking maybe convert him to the closer role. Uh, we'll talk about my starting rotation later on, whenever we get to it. But that's why I've run in there right now, converted starting pitching prospect into the closer role if they want to go internal. Uh you know, closers, you know, it's hard to know year to year. You know, you could take any relief pitcher, make him your ninth inning guy, and suddenly he's your closer. So it's hard to know. You know, there could be a guy that pitches seventh innings right now that is closing games for the Mets in 2025. We just really don't know. So it's interesting to think about. Uh, what's up next, Brendan? Uh, catcher. You, you can start off with your catcher. I could start out with my catcher. All right. Well, I think this one is probably going to be the same for most, if not all of us, I have. Uh, who what will be a 23-year-old Francisco Alvarez is my starting catcher. He is regarded generally as the best catching prospect in the game already at age 19. 
Uh, we know the Mets just signed James McCann to a four-year deal. That works out perfectly, uh, even though I do think Alvarez will get plenty of playing time in the uh, third year of McCann's contract. But regardless, uh, I think we can all agree he's a great prospect. Uh, he's good on both sides of the ball, you know, defensively and offensively. So that's my guy. I don't think there's going to be much disagreement going around. Uh, who's up next? Alex, Brendan, sure talk who wants it. So, yeah, so um, James McCann's probably going to be gone. Um, so it's probably going to be Francisco Alvarez at our catching position within the next five years. Uh, I'm pretty sure that MLB.com has him projected to be in the MLB around 2023, which would be McCann's third year i believe um so alvarez might get some uh, plate appearances during that time he probably he's not going to be the starter until mccann's is is fully gone but i think that after the the two years behind mccann it just opens the door for him to be the everyday catcher so i have francisco alvarez as my starting catcher uh, I agree, like that James McCann could possibly s- still be on the roster if he, you know, a- ages well and plays well on his deal, and it could be brought back as a backup or even like a- as a platoon guy. But I mean, Francisco Alvarez is 18 years old. Five years from now, he'll be 23 years old. Um, he should be re- MLB ready around 2023, early 2024. Like Justin said, the best catching prospect in baseball already. He tore up the goal. Um, What's it called? The Gulf Coast League in 2019 hit 312, seven home runs, 26 RBIs in very limited time. So he could hit and should, you know, he's untouchable in trade talk. So, you know, they're very high on him. Uh, Hopefully by 2025, he is the starting catcher and, you know, he'll cut some seasoning in 2023, 2024, whenever he comes up in 2025, he hopefully could be the star that, you know, the Mets thought they were getting with Ahmed Rosario, but Alvarez is someone that's really, you know, intriguing to watch. There's also it's like not a lot of good catchers in baseball anymore. You know, Yair Molina and Buster Posey are kind of like the crop of this, the cream of the crop of this generation. But besides that, besides the, besides the JT Realmuto, there's no like stud catchers. I also think the Mets are going to sign like Ashley Rushman. Like I don't think he's, he won't even be a free agent before 2025. So. Unless the Mets, you know, get together a trade for like a top tier like catcher, like young catcher, I think you're looking at like a James McCann or a Francisco Alvarez as your catcher for 2025. Alex, who do you have as your catcher? Um, I'm I'm kind of gonna go with something a little out of uh, left field. Yeah, Paul Aduka. Nah, Francisco Alvarez. Um, enough said. He's gonna be 23. Uh. At this point, he he will have had like one season or two um, behind James McCann. Um, certainly, at that point, too, James McCann won't be uh, he won't even be close to an everyday catcher, most likely. So he'll be getting a lot of reps in, and who knows, maybe Alvarez will be getting more reps in just because of the introduction of the DH to the National League. Um, I mean, he's a stud. He rates as an above-average hitter and fielder. And I think that, you know, one thing that Mets fans have learned in our pursuit for a catcher over the last couple of years is that it could be very valuable if they are very good fielder or very good hitter. Um, and he projects to be both. Even his run is, even you know, his, his speed is projected to not be so terrible. Um, I mean, 
40 isn't he, he his uh rating out of uh, on a 20 to 80 scale is 40 but that isn't like terrible and that that's like by far his worst skill his arm is 60 his hit is 60 so he's someone who could throw people out and he's also someone who could be an important bat in the lineup for the future all right let's move to first base so right now the mets first baseman is like a, I guess a timeshare, you know, whatever the DH or not between Alonzo and Dom Smith. I think we can safely assume by 2025 there will be a DH in the National League. I personally think there will be a DH even this year, but by 2025 there will definitely be a DH. But for first base, um, there are two obvious candidates, uh, Dom Smith and Pete Alonzo. The Mets have like literally no one in the farm system that, you know, like Pete Alonso and Don Smith, those are the recent graduates from the farm system, and they have there's really no one else behind them. So, I predict that Pete Alonso will be the first base, the first baseman in 2025. Um, it's kind of tough because both Dom Smith and Pete Alonso are both eligible for free agency after 2024. So there's kind of going to be a decision on the Mets' hands, unless you know you can't resign everybody. The Mets ha- have the luxury of having a lot of you know, uh, cheap. Uh, homegrown talent right now, young home homegrown talent, but you're not going to be able to, you know, Conforto is priority number one, which is going to be pretty soon. Uh, but like Alonzo Smith, McNeil, you're going to have to make some tough, tough choices. And I think a lot, I mean, Dom Smith is great, but I think Alonzo, it's tough. You could, you could argue Dom Smith should be resigned instead of Alonzo here, but Alonzo is slightly younger. No, no, he's slightly older than Dom Smith by half a year. So I don't know. It's tough. I I also don't know what kind of contract Pete Alonso is going to demand. I don't know if they'll sign Alonso to an extension beforehand or if they'll re-sign him as a free agent, but he'll be a free agent in his age 31 season. And I guess you can give him like a four or five year deal. It has to be over 20 million a year. If he's hitting over 30, yeah, power gets paid. Power still gets few paid. He is 26 right now. Four years away from free agencies. So a five-year deal, probably close to 25 million a year. If he's still if he's hitting above 40 home runs, you know he's gonna get paid like that much money. So I'm having they're gonna resign Alonzo, in my opinion. Uh, I guess we'll go to Justin for his first baseman. So yeah, heading into 2025 after 2024 after the 2024 season, that's a big one for the Mets. Pete Alonso, Dom Smith, uh, Noah Syndergaard, and Jeff McNeil all hit free agency that year. So a lot of decisions are going to be made that year that shape the future of the team. Uh, like we said, there probably will be a DH, uh, so that is very important. Uh, so with my first baseman, I think the Mets will re-sign Dom Smith, and he will be their first baseman. Uh, we'll get to Pete Alonso later, but for now, first base is Dom Smith. Uh, his his I mean, he's just been good every year. It wasn't just last season. Last season just happened to be his best season. Whenever healthy, Dom Smith has done nothing but hit. Um, he fields perfectly fine as well. You know, the outfield didn't really work for him. But at first base, he holds his own. He's a perfectly okay option. Uh, last season is anything, uh, an indication of things to come. He is going to be one of the best hitters in baseball for the next bunch of years. So I think that's a guy the Mets should be excited to have for a long time. Alex or Mike, who's up next? I'll talk quickly. Um, so Dom Smith as a 25-year-old this season, even though it was a short season, he was an MVP candidate. 
and he really like raised his game. He was kind of like a uh, kind of a surprise for the Mets. I mean, certainly surprised to the MLB, but um, in his career for the Mets, he's always been like pretty good when healthy. That's like the key, like when healthy. Um, he he had a good 2019. He actually had the same amount of at bats in 2019 and 2020. Um, he batted you know, 282 in 2019, 316 in 2020. I think what people um, don't really understand about Dom Smith, at least you know people who aren't like diehard fans, is that he's a better first baseman than Pete Alonso, and like that's not really questionable. So like if there is a DH introduced, which by 2025, I I mean at least I I projected it. Um, I know Justin projected it. Now, did you project a DH in 2025? He did. Uh, what about you, Mike? Yeah, I, I like have one. Yeah, 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 Mike. So Mike has one. So we all have DHs, which means that that first base position, even if we still have Pete Alonso and Dominic Smith, Dominic Smith will be um, our first baseman because of that. So like that's something to keep in mind that it, you know it might be something different this season. Dom Smith might not. Uh, being an everyday player this year, even if he's a better player this season than in 2025, and that's just circumstance. I mean, for God's sakes, this guy, this guy had a 169 OPS plus in, you know, in not that many games. If he continues to do that over the full season, he has the potential to, if he, uh, you know, not not necessarily MVP, but he's MVP type numbers. Came in 13th in the in MVP voting, um, the highest out of any Met, I believe. So he, the guy could rake and, you know, if you're just going to count like his last uh, two years, he has an OPS plus, uh, you know, around like 150. I mean, that's, that's certainly very impressive. And that's someone who I would like to have on my team in 2025. Something that people don't understand when they say, oh, the, the Mets have all this money. Why don't we just sign free agents? Well, if you sign a free agent, you have to give up a compensation pick. Uh, depending on how much money you're going to be paying that free agent. And if you re-sign a player like Dom Smith, you don't have to deal with that. So I think it's very important for the Mets to keep their homegrown talent, not just not just because if you keep your homegrown talent, it's you know it's younger than free agents and you know you have that continuity, but it's also you're not giving up that pick and you're not uh, giving up you know someone in the future that could be a big part of the major league club or could also be part of the big trade. So for all those reasons, that's why I kind of rate Dominic Smith as our first baseman in 2025. I wouldn't say that it's like very likely, but I think it's pretty likely that he will be on the team and will be our everyday first baseman. So, uh, like- yes. So I, I, I definitely agree with uh, a large majority of the points you're making about Dom. Uh my only problem is that even with new ownership and new management, the Mets still throughout our lifetimes have been able to screw something up no matter what. Um, so I think if we have like one screw up when it comes uh, time 2025 hits, it will be losing Dom to free agency or in a big trade. Um, I think that Steve is, I think it's been clear that Steve is obviously a team first and fan first guy. And that's the same way Alonzo is. Um, he He's like, in two short years, he's become pretty much the face of this franchise, except for with the exceptions of like Conforto and DeGrom. Uh, I, I really can't see a world where Alonzo isn't our starting first baseman come 2025. Um, as much as I want Dom still on the team, I really don't even have a spot on here for him because I just think that he's going to get his bag elsewhere. 
Yeah, I agree. I uh, there's also like not a ton of first basemen in, in the game today, so that are you know good. So the Mets have a good problem. They have two of those, so I think it is likely that if when when they both become free agents, that you know the Mets aren't going to be able to sign both of them. So I think Dom's. So I think the Mets will pick Alonzo over Smith, but it definitely is a you know. Well, it's gonna see it'd be interesting to see how those players perform in twenty twenty one and see you know how, who I guess would be better than the other. Uh, moving across the diamond to third, actually we'll do second base first. So right now the Mets second baseman, the the, the Mets second base is really interesting because they don't have a clear cut. I mean Jeff McNeil is gonna be their second baseman next year because Robinson Cano tested positive for PEDs, but after that. Uh, Robinson Cano is scheduled to come back for the 2022 and 2023 seasons. Um, and then obviously he's off the books after that. Uh, Jeff McNeil is eligible for free agency after 2024, like, like Pete Alonso. So the Mets would have to resign Jeff McNeil as well. If they want to have him at second base, I do have the Mets resign Jeff McNeil, but not to play second base, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I have uh, well because I have I'm really high on their young middle infield prospect Ryan Mauricio. What I was gonna say, so let me let me pull up your lineup real quick. I was me and Alex were talking about this earlier. Um, so you had Conforto DHing, McNeil in left, Springer in right. That was interesting to me, and Alonzo at first. So you didn't you you didn't resign Don Smith, correct? I did not resign. See, that's interesting to me that you keep Alonzo in the field because. I don't know. I feel like Conforto's a perfectly good outfielder now defensively. Um, he, he was uh, in the in 2020 in the outfield. I mean, career, though. He, I mean, no, keep, I know, I know. yeah, and I don't know. Springer will be 36. I mean, he should hold up. I don't know. That's just It's just interesting to me that you send him to play left field. I mean, I think personally, if this were my lineup, I would make McNeil a first baseman so Alonzo could, Alonzo could DH because I think McNeil has definitely proven himself capable just about anywhere. I mean, it's, it's first base is probably the uh, easiest infield position to teach. Yeah. Kinda, so, oh, sorry. You know, you hop in, hop in, you can hop in. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of was like uh, thinking about what you said um, about McNeil, like going to all, like play second base this season, but that's that's not a, a that's not you know guaranteed. We still have Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez. They can fill the middle, the both those middle infield spots. I don't think Rosario's contract expired before then. Uh, well, no, no. Well, I'm starting off because Brendan started off by saying that next For this season, year, Sam. yeah, that, that this that this year that Mc, that McNeil is a second I'm baseman, which isn't which isn't automatically guaranteed. And also, Justin makes a good point: moving him to first base wouldn't be terrible. McNeil the first base, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But like, why? My question is: is why? Why do you have that immediate reaction rather than just keeping him in left? Wait, what? Do you, what was the question? So my question to Justin is why? Oh. Why do you have that immediate reaction to move McNeil to first base come twenty twenty five rather than keeping him in left field? Um. Well, by twenty twenty five, Jeff McNeil, he was a late bloomer, so he's already kind of up there in age. So I don't know how well his legs are gonna hold up in the outfield. He's already thirty two, I think. So is he? Th- he's a late bloomer. He's no way thirty two. He's like twenty. He's 28. I lied. He's not 32. He's 28. He'll be 33 in 2025. So, like, all right, it's not as bad as I thought it. So, he, like, you just don't know his legs might hold up. You know, 33 is not the oldest, but 
it's already documented that Pete's defense is not so great, and Jeff McDeal has kind of proven himself as a very versatile defensive player who's put up good defensive stats just about everywhere he's played. So I think the combination of McNeil and Conforto in the field is a better defensive combo than McNeil and Alonzo in the field and letting Conforto uh, DH. That's fair. I mean, I... It's not the worst thing in the world that you had. I mean, I, I, so if deciding who to DH, uh, McNeil or Conforto, I mean, I'm trying to, I don't, I mean, DH, I don't think there's like really like a cemented DH anymore, like except for like Nelson Cruz, like every team kind of rotates their DH. So, you know, Conforto could have a day rest, McNeil could DH one day and rest up, like Alonzo could DH, and you know, I, I think that's what we're looking at here. But for second base, we're getting back to second base, which is you know, where we're at right now. So I'm pushing McNeil to the outfield to open up second base for Ronnie Mauricio, who's a switch hitter. He's the Mets' best prospect, even ahead of um, Alvarez is the best catching prospect. Mauricio is their best overall prospect. 6'3", he's a switch hitting shortstop, and he really is an impressive hitter. Um, both sides of the plate, he is expecting to add more power to his frame as he grows into his like, – add 15 or 20 pounds – um, scouts have compared him. Well, Baseball America's Ben Badler compared him to superstars like Fernando Tatis and Carlos Correa. So that's kind of a high expectation to put on Ronnie Mauricio, but he's also like not going to be like in trade talks, I think, over the next few years. And they're going to groom him to be like the either the shortstop or the, se- or the Mets second baseman. They do say here in a scouting report, though, that he is kind of a big guy, and if he does add muscle to his frame, he may have to move off shortstop. So I'm moving him to second base because I need third base for another prospect, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, but I have Mauricio at second base for me. So we're up, we're up to second base. Um, I I put uh, Jimenez at second base. Um, That's also a good So... A big problem over the last couple of years and something that uh, reared its ugly head in the 2015 World Series. We don't need to go into it. We don't need to go into it. But let's just say that uh, fielding was not our speciality. Um, Especially at second base. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Daniel Murphy was a very good hitter, but not a great fielder. We don't have to go into it too much. Um, So the reason why I don't have Jimenez at shortstop is because – uh, the certain prospect, Ronnie Mauricio. We'll get into that very soon. Um, people don't understand. Like Jimenez is basically still a prospect in terms of like his age. He's going to be twenty six. He's going to be twenty six at the start of the twenty uh, twenty five season. If you look at um some of our other prospects, some of our actually you know people that are considered actually prospects at that time, like Brett Beatty is going to be twenty five. So he's Andres uh, Andres Jimenez is kind of an early bloomer. Um, an interesting stat that I found was that Andres Jimenez was, you know, in fact, a very good fielder last season. I believe, I believe he's known for his, his glove. Um, just got to find the stat for a second. I believe he was one of, um, yeah, he was in the top 10 infielders to record at least um, five outs above average. So that's obviously outstanding. That's not just shortstop. That's, all qualified infielders. Um, So we know that he has the fielding, and I don't see that getting worse. In fact, I see it getting better the more he gets to see Major League Baseball is getting hit at him because obviously in the Major Leagues, balls are hit a lot harder than in the minor leagues. So he's only going to get better in the field. And then in terms of hitting, we're going to have to wait and see like what we did with Rosario. Um, 
the Rosario is going to be wait. I'm saying in a similar fashion. Oh, okay. Similar fashion in terms of, you know, wait and see because we, we want to see how our prospect does. And just the way that the front office has been talking about our young guys, I don't see them abandoning Andres Jimenez in a trade. Um, although I will say that there are a lot of very good shortstops due to free agent due in free agency next year. I just don't see the Mets signing one of those guys. Um, it's, it's very risky to sign someone in free agency to a long contract. A lot of those contracts don't work out. Um, does Steve Cohen see the Mets as having um, a chance at winning world series next season? That's going to be a big part of if they do sign a shortstop. Um, I think that at least for next season, Jimenez will be there. Um, I'm taking a little leap of faith, faith in saying that he will do well. And if he does do well, then he'll he'll probably withstand um, getting replaced by a free agent. And I think he has a clear path to being uh, at least in the infield in 2025. So shortstop is a tough one. I think some of the points... Oh, wait, uh, second base, I remember. They're both tough ones for the same reasons, this middle infield. Uh, like I said before, Jeff McNeil, free agent. There's a lot of ways they can go. Um, I think they will not retain Jeff McNeil, as I said. Pete, Dom, and Noah Syndergaard are all free agents after that offseason, or in the same offseason, rather. So I think they got to figure something out. And with some help coming in the wings, you know, Ronnie Mauricio's coming up. They already have Jimenez. Uh, there's and Brett Beatty, they have a lot of infield help coming up uh, everywhere except first base. So I think McNeil's going to be the one to be let go. Unfortunately, can't keep everybody. So my second baseman is Ronnie Mauricio. Um, there's people are, you know, his bat's there. It's his uh, glove. That's the question. People, you know, he might not really have the range to play shortstop full time. People are thinking maybe he'll move to third, but Brett Beatty's coming up. So I think he'll end up at second eventually. Uh, it's supposed to be real good ETA of 2022. He's only he's right now only in the high A ball. So he's still got a bit to, uh, to go, but switch hitter supposed to be real good with the bat. So good piece to have in the future. Uh, there's a lot that can go on though, because of the aforementioned uh, Andres Jimenez and Ronnie Mauricio and uh, the uh, Alex mentioned the free agent class. There's a lot going on. So but we'll talk more about that with the uh, shortstop when the time comes. So uh, I believe Mike still has to go. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, my second baseman, it's pretty similar to everybody else's. It's, it's Luis Guillorme, no, but in, in all seriousness, it's actually Mauricio. Um, I'm also going to talk about my shortstop at the same time. Uh, I, I, I agree with one of Alex's main points is that the way that our main office has been talking about our prospects is they want to hold on to them. Uh, Jimenez is 22 right now. He barely, like, I wouldn't even call last season a season for him. Um, he didn't get to play a ton, but when he did, it was, it was really nice to see, you know, he made a lot of nice flashes in the, in the field, um, especially at the beginning when he was playing third base where we were trying to figure out who was going to play there. He looked really solid there. Um, but yeah, uh, Mauricio's glove is definitely a question, but I, I would be fine having him at second base and having Jimenez as our future shortstop for uh, 2025. You want you a shortstop too? Mike? No, Mike's. Oh, uh, well, yeah. So yeah, I kind of like Already, I'm just like I, I think that um, our, our like I I really think that we're just gonna hold on to our prospects. Um, you know, maybe maybe Jimenez gets traded 
uh, down the road and it opens up a spot for Javi Baez um, or like Trevor Story, maybe, maybe like we trade Jimenez uh, in a story trade. But I don't see a reason to. He, like I said uh, a few seconds ago, he, he, he played what 30 games in a 60 game season, if that. Jimenez, like he, he still has so much more room to grow. He's only 22. He looked good in the games he was playing. I, I see no reason to move on from him right now. Um, I, I would love to see him as our 2025 shortstop as well. All right, so I guess I'll go through my shortstop. So I alluded to it before. This is a tough one. Uh, like they've people have said, Andre Jimenez is still incredibly young. Barely played at all. We really don't know what we have with him. So I do think that uh, he will be given every opportunity to make himself a, a long-term piece of this Mets franchise. Uh, mentioned before, there's a crazy good shortstop class next offseason that includes Javi Baez, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Correa. Five and Yeah, five inc- elite, elite shortstops. Uh but I think each of them comes with – they all come with some caveats. But um, I do think that uh, J.D. Davis will end up as an odd man out because I do think the Mets will go after one of these big boys. Um, I think Francisco Lindor will be traded somewhere and sign an extension there. I think Corey Seager is going to stay with the Dodgers. I don't think they'll go after Carlos Correa. His stats really dropped off this past season. Crazy what – yeah, you can't get. It's crazy what happens. Crazy what happens when you don't know what pitch is coming. Almost like that helps you really well. Uh, so that leaves you with Trevor Story and uh, Javi Baez. Trevor Story's home road splits are crazy, crazy, crazy. Fifty points higher OPS plus. His batting average is fifty points higher. Uh, so like more than fifty percent more home runs at home than on the road. Extra base hits are way higher at home than on the road. Uh, it's pretty much it's the Coors Field effect. Uh, it, it happens. So I'm not a huge fan of Trevor Story, which leaves us with Javi Baez, who will be 32 when the 2025 season starts. Javi Baez didn't have the greatest offensive season last year, but it was such a small sample size. One can only assume that he will would have bounced back and had a decent full season stat line. So I think the Mets will sign Javi Baez and Andres Jimenez will shift over to third base uh, for the short term. And... Yes, that's what's going to happen for them. So Javi Baez is my shortstop for the Mets in 2025. Uh, you know, I think his character really fits the new, what the New York media, or not necessarily media, but the market wants. You know, he's a look-at-me player. He's a front-page player. Everyone loves him. He's a great character guy to have, great energy guy. So I think he's the one that will really fit in, and he'll be the guy the Mets end up getting from that really great shortstop class without sacrificing uh, Andre Simenez's chance to play every day. So, uh, Alex, if you want to go with your shortstop. Damn, I don't want to back out a story, but you go, Alex. Did we not do third base already? We're on no, short- not yet. We're, we're on shortstop? I thought we were doing, you know, like uh, we were leaving the pitchers out and then we're doing like two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's fine. Okay. Um, I do think we should try to speed through the next Yeah. One. So, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, he's going to be 24. I think we've talked about him. Um, kind of at length by now, he'll be ready and by 2022. I don't know if anyone's mentioned this, but he's a switch hitter, so that's kind of a a neat Jose, thing. Jose Reyes with power, maybe. Yeah, 
Yeah, he actually he's rated like 60 power, which is a, a lot, especially for a shortstop. His arms rated 60, and that's something that you need. Obviously, as a shortstop, you don't have as much time to you know lollygag around there like you're a second baseman. But um, he won't need to do that. He'll just you know, field the ball. Hopefully, he won't have the same problems as Rosario, where you know he was a good fielder, supposed to be a very good fielder in the MLB, and then kind of misses some of the easy ones. Uh, he was an international signing in 2017, another savvy international signing by the Mets, something that I think that they've actually been fairly good at. They don't need to get the flashy players. They just need to get the ones that have, um, you know, kind of like a like a boom or bust feeling to it where it's low cost. And, you know, hopefully it, it they continue to do this to help their farm system because certainly their farm system needs these international signings. So, yeah, I have uh, Mauricio as my shortstop kind of moving Jimenez over to second base and just overall in making uh, our infield much better fielding that along with uh, what I plan to have as Dom Smith at first base. Um, and you know, my third baseman is going to be uh, Brett Beatty, who's also supposed to be a good fielder. So hopefully the Mets infield will be as good as what people think their outfield will be this season as long as we sign George Springer. Yeah, just to uh, quickly fly through my shortstop pick. So I have Trevor Story. Um, I for the for the height up shortstop class next offseason, I think it's gonna be very tempting for the Mets to sign one of those guys, even though there's not an obvious need because you have Mauricio, you even like Jimenez or Mauricio in the pipe, or Mauricio Jimenez, even like Ahmed Rosario, he has a bounce back here. You have options to play at shortstop, but. I think if you're going to add elite players, like I think that's what Steve Cohen and the Mets are going to do. So he'll be Trevor Story will be 28 entering 2022. So he'll be 32 by the time of 2025. Justin mentioned his home home and away splits, which yes, that's always going to be a thing with cores people. But he's just a very great athlete and has a lot of like all around tools to his game, including speed and defense. He's not a total all or nothing hitter. Like Bias Bias has a excellent glove but he doesn't have really the, the batting average that um Trevor Story has and Javi Bias has much more swing and miss in his game and I am kind of I mean 2020 is an anomaly but like Javi Bias did have serious regression last year so we'll see if he bounces back next year anyway Story is my shortstop third yeah. base I'm gonna have Brett Beatty I alluded we alluded to uh, a first round draft pick in 2019 uh, 12th overall pick uh, kind of comparable to like Don Smith, I think, in terms of like his contact hitting, and you know he'll grow into his power like Don Smith did when getting to the, the major leagues. His arm is very strong, even though, and he's pretty adequate at third base. He's not doesn't have the most elite range, but he's very he's adequate. Um, he should be and will be ready by I would say 2023. 20, 20, 20, so. He'll be 20, He'll be twenty six by the time twenty twenty five is around. Have a, a year or two under his belt with Alvarez. So, Beatty and Alvarez are two young guys, and the Mets are going to have to build around. To what, Alex? You want to go? I, I okay. Um, I just I just wanted to say that uh, Baby Yoda is so cute, and this looked like the thingy in the Mandalorian ship. So I was looking at it like. Ah! I mean, I'm done. I'm, I, my 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 pick's Brett Beatty. Like I I, I think I think all I mean, of our Gabe, picks are Brett Beatty. To be honest, are are all our picks Brett Beatty? I mean, I know mine is. 
Alec, are you are yeah, you Brett yeah, Beatty? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Brett Beatty. Um, just want to add, like, I, I don't know if anyone's mentioned it. Uh, uh, he's gonna be up there in 2022. I think maybe Jo mentioned that he's projected as a 25 plus homer, home run hitter. While that uh, might not be as rare as it used to be, um, I think that the fact that he's projected at that already as such a young guy um, is a very good sign. He's also a lefty hitter which although the Mets right now have a lot of it, we, we're not sure if we're going to have many lefty hitters in the future. And I think just, you know, um, pitchers are used to pitching to righties when they come up and in in, um, when they're younger, they see more lefties in the major leagues. But in general, I think just being a lefty hitter gives you an advantage. You're also a little bit closer to first base, which always helps. He was a 12th pick in 2019. So yeah, I think he, you know, he's a very highly rated prospect. I think that it would be a mistake for us to just assume he get, he, um, turns out poorly or gets traded away by 2025. I think that the Mets have a new philosophy where we keep these guys and we don't trade them. Okay, so I'm just gonna quickly go over my outfield and then you guys can give can give the rest of your um, your lineups out. So we have the infield done. Just to quickly run out the outfield, I have George Springer signing with the Mets this offseason, which is you know pretty assumed, widely assumed. So I have him in moving off center field and going to a corner in right field. Center field, they don't have a ton of depth in the outfield in the minor leagues unless they make some draft picks. I mean, literally, like, Tim Tebow is atop their depth their depth chart in AAA for outfielders, along with some other guys like Malik Smith. But their first-round pick this year is intriguing. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, drafted 19th overall, is 18 right now. He will be 24 by the time 20, 24 comes around, 23. ETA is 2023. ETA is 2023, but he'll be tw- he'll be 20 24 years old by the time he gets um by 2025 gets Calder up. He's very athletic. I don't think Brendan Nimmo is going to be around. He's going to be a free agent in, in two years. So Crow Armstrong and center very quality. He's very speedy. Give some good defense. Give give us a nice athlete in center field to hope you know make us forget about Jerry Kalanick a little bit. And then I have Jeff McNeil playing the other corner because, like I said, we don't have a ton of outfield. We don't have a lot of options in the lower in the lower levels of the minors in outfield. So McNeil's versatile. He can play the outfields if, like, the infield gets too crowded for him. So that's my outfield. Um, Mike, you want to give your outfield before we move on to pitching? Uh, yeah. So I got Springer in center because you know the idea is that we're going to sign him to like anywhere between five to seven years. Uh, any day now hopefully that's that's what's gonna happen um left field i got mcneil um i don't really know much about our outfield prospects other than like pete crow armstrong who i have in right uh i actually have conforto still here um i just think that he, he's he's a little bit older than mcneil right conforto's younger than mcneil by the start of the 2025 season conforto will only be 32 all right uh, so I was, I was, yeah I was just saying to Justin earlier, um, just quick add that Conforto could be like a very long time Met. Just the way that his, uh, if he gets an extension, just the way it's all going to turn out, he might end up just being like, because right now we we know like we know five in a lot of Mets. Yeah, we right now we know we have the money, but like a lot of these other Mets that we have right now, the young ones, um, they're all going to be due around like twenty twenty four. So we're gonna have to like pick and choose which ones we want, and we might not be able to keep a lot of them. Maybe you know. We definitely won't lose all of them, but we might lose like all but, you know, like Dom Smith or Pete Alonzo or, uh, you know, Jacob deGrom. Yeah. So with with that information that was just given, I, I honestly thought Conforto was uh, older than McNeil. Uh, I knew it was close, but 
I'm going to swap. Uh, swap. I'm going to put McNeil at DH and uh, Conforto in left. Um, sorry, I'm going to put Conforto back in right where he normally used to play uh, back in like 2015 and everything. And then I know he switched over multiple times and to left field and center. But I'm going to put him back in right, and then I'm going to leave uh, P. Crow Armstrong in left. Uh, so, so your outfield is is. Uh... Springer, Armstrong, and Conforto now. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I swapped Conforto and uh, McNeil for their their uh, positions. Okay, and who's your center fielder? I, I have Springer just because the whole idea that like any day now we should be signing him to like a five seven year deal. Yeah. Um. So so then our outfields are actually the same except for uh, Pico Armstrong will I think will definitely take over center field if he is in that outfield. Um yeah without a doubt. Um Springer um hasn't even been a center fielder his whole career. He he's slated to be a he's an above average center fielder. However, by 2025 I think it will be best to use him at one of the corners. I just put him at left field but that's arbitrary. Conforto at right. They could figure that out. Um Springer will be 35, so I don't really see us having a 35-year-old center fielder when Pete Armstrong is um he's graded he's graded as a as a you know pretty well above average uh runner and fielder. Yeah. There's no question about his glove, it's whether his bat and the power will develop. Yeah, I, right now it looks like um just looking at how he was uh, rated as a prospect, uh his biggest weakness is is that power. He has below average power. But as below average as power is, um, he's even better um, of a speedster and a fielder, and he has a great arm too, and he has good contact. So I think that he will certainly be a good center fielder. Hopefully, we don't end up trading him for, um, you know, old steroid users and a uh, possibly, you know, we'll see how Edwin Diaz ends up. But his last full season, he looked a little washed up at a way too early age. Don't forget about uh, trading our future, our our future future first round picks. Don't forget about that. Yeah, exactly. So we the Mets need to. Um, I think we need to keep this guy, Pete Crow. He looks like he's going to be great. So he's no so young to. Like, no one resigned Nemo. No. No Nemo. I think that's a fortune. He's a good guy, but uh, he he might be traded. Any you know maybe any day now it depends on what moves the Mets make. I think that they're going to keep him as like a fourth outfielder. They might move um him to third might teach him third they might teach dom smith third who knows because there's been a lot of talks about like you know jd davis has been penciled in as a third baseman but is he actually is that our best option who knows um so i think that has everyone done with our uh, outfield justin is the same one as me yeah, so yeah, yeah so Everybody's done. I mean, yeah, there's just I don't think there's any way you're gonna let a 36 year old Springer play center field when a 23 year old prospect who's already known for his glove at his first like before he's really done anything with his career. So that's my only change from uh sure talk. Sure talk. Yeah, I think those three are pretty like this is assuming they sign Springer, of course. Um, but yeah, good outfield, good outfield. Yeah, so I'll just do my rotation so. Uh, I'd have the Mets re-signing DeGrom and Syndergaard. Those are the two, only two guys that I have staying from their current rotation. Uh, Matthew Allen, who's going to be 23, and JT Ginn, who's going to be 25. Matthew Allen, in particular, is supposed to be really, really good. The Mets paid him a well over draft slot amount, I think $3 million or so, $3.1 million in the third round because everyone thought he was going to go to Florida unless someone gave him an amount like that, which the Mets did. So that was a steal in the third round. So I haven't penciled in there as my number three. DeGrom's my number two. 
Syndergaard is my four, and my number five is JT Ginn, who's also supposed to be pretty good on his own. Uh, I think outside of that, you know, maybe David Peterson, but I think the Mets are going to look to do a little better than that. I think Peterson maybe overachieved a little bit this past year. He's not really – the underlying numbers were – yeah, the underlying numbers were not as great as the ones on top said. Uh, so there's a few options out there. The cream of the crop would be Jack Flaherty, who hits free agency at age 27, a couple of years prior to 2025. But I think the Cardinals are going to re-sign him. But that would be the best one. Other options out there, there's some younger-ish ones. No one's going to be that young in free agency. But Herman Marquez would be 30 for the 2025 season. Mike Soroka, I think, is going to stay with the Braves. I don't think they're going to let him go to a division rival, but he'd be only 27 heading into 2025. Uh, Denilson, Lamette, Chris Paddock, and Yu Darvish all hit free agency the same year in, uh, after the 2024 season, I believe. Uh, so any one of those guys could be taken from the Padres. You know, they can't resign them all. Other older options include Kyle Hendricks or Henjin Ryu, who would be 35 or older. Those would obviously be short-term deals. This is if they're still good by then. Who knows? Uh, so it's hard. This is hard to project because, you know, there's one, maybe two spots. You know, if you don't want to resign Syndergaard, that's a second spot. But it's hard to know who's going to hit free agency and who doesn't this far out. So there's a lot of different options. Uh, I'm interested to see what others have to say. Alex, or uh, unless someone else would like to go first. Uh, you can go, Alex. Um, so I, I just want to get something, um, just a quick thing that I was, like, thinking about. The first thing that I – um, that came to mind when I when uh, Brendan told me about this was I'm pretty sure I know what her outfield is going to be so that that is something everything else is kind of um, iffy I'd say uh, you know catcher we think we have um, we think we know a couple of our middle infielders but not really know where they're going to play and I think besides relief pitching starting pitching is the biggest question mark so I have Degrom at the top of the rotation. He's going to be 37. However, people have to realize that his arm is not going to be 37 years old. He started pitching late in his uh, baseball career. He came up as a shortstop. So that's really going to help him. Um, I think what we've seen from Verlander, who has been pitching for much longer than uh, DeGrom will have been pitching for when he's 37, um, is that if you're a really good pitcher, you have good stuff, you have good uh, location, you have good movement. Uh, you could pitch when you're older. I know Roger Clemens uh, had some steroid issues, but he still did very well when he was older. They're, um, you know, we're seeing nowadays. Very athletic. Yeah, very Roger athletic. Roger Clemens was on the 1986 Red Sox. Yeah. Well, of course. Well, we don't have to get into what McNamara did during that World Series, which was horrendous and, you know, caused the curse to continue for, uh, you know, 18 more seasons. But yeah, so I think Degrom could be one. He's one of those pitchers too. Like I, I'm, I'm sure Mafuchi, even though he's a Yankees fan, recognizes the greatness that is Jacob Degrom, and he, he could um. Best sub- pitcher in baseball for the last. There we go. Sensible years. Two, there we go. Years. Sensible um, person. Now number two, this is, this is kind of me just saying, you know, the way that I've slated the Mets is to they're not going to be a crazy payroll at this point. Um, so I think that they'll have enough money to try to, to lure someone like a Jack Flaherty. He's going to be 29. Um, I, he, Mavucci thinks he's going to stay with the Cardinals. He probably, he probably will stay with the Cardinals, but, um, that's kind of just someone who I'm penciling in. Like we're going to get, I think we're going to sign like a, a good young starting pitcher. Um, you know, it looks like it's not going to be Trevor Bauer, but it could be someone in the future. Uh, at three, I have Matthew Allen. He's going to be 24. 
He was drafted with the 89th pick in 2019. He's going to be up in 2023. So by that point, he will have been, um, you know, a hell of more experience. Uh, just looking at some of his uh, prospect ratings, he has, uh, you know, a plus fastball and a plus curveball. Um, nothing is below average, which is great to see. He has above average control and above average changeup. I think he would be a great uh, future third man in the rotation and could be, you know, a future uh, second guy behind Jacob deGrom. Uh, at number four in my rotation, I have JT Ginn. He will be 25. Uh, something uh, you have to know about him, even though he was he was the 52nd pick in 2020, he was a first-round pick in 2018. Then he had Tommy John surgery. And then even when he was picked, um, you know, late. He was supposed to be a first-round pick. He was supposed he had to. Tommy John, so he fell to the second round. And then even then, he was. He was supposed to be high for something. I did have Syndergaard, yeah. Okay. So, so in the thing about, um, even though he was picked 57th pick, 52nd pick. He was paid double his slot bonus. So you have to look at him like a first round pick. He's a first round talent and he was paid like it. And that's also a reason why he slid because he said, I'm not going to sign unless I get what I'm worth. So that's also something that a lot of um, Mets fans who aren't diehard fans don't really know about our, you know, older regime. We could say a lot of things about Brody, However, one thing that he did do well was the draft. He was very savvy, and a lot of um, MLB experts. I see this when I when I'm watching MLB Network. You know, the Mets are a New York team. They get talked about a lot. Uh, he he was praised for the way that he handled the draft, and he was savvy yeah. with his ex, with his slot money. Yeah, the Mets. I agree. If I you, agree. I mean, Mike Piazza is an outlier. Those late round picks don't. Uh, tend to work out so the Mets put an emphasis on the early round picks and getting those players that a lot of times would if they were drafted later they would reject the signing and go back in the draft and that's exactly what happened with JT again um Noah Syndergaard I have is our fifth guy he'll be 32 so he won't even be that old um again this is I'm just predict predicting him to get re-signed uh yeah I I'm not sure if we will re-sign him but Again, this goes back to how I feel about Edwin Diaz. I think Syndergaard is more likely than not to be, uh, you know, he's more likely than anyone else to be on the Mets at that point. Uh, Yes. So you guys pretty much have said um, everything that can be said. Um, My only difference between uh, Alex and, and Justin, because I do have, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Allen, and Ginn is that I still have Peterson on our roster. Um, He's only only 25 right now. Um, He only had one year under his belt where he really had to just be thrown in there because we had so many pitching injuries. Um, And, and, you know, I I know we talked about him earlier, like a a few earlier episode on the podcast, and we kind of found out that, like, he was more than serviceable and he was actually, like, surprisingly good for – better much better than we expected for a guy who never had under a four in um any pro ball that he's played besides the mlb obviously um but you know alex alluded to it earlier and i've said it many many times also pitchers these days seem to get better after they once they age once they get past the age of 30 they seem to be getting better and better uh verlander is a great example after the age of 30 he struggled for a few years but once he got traded he had a resurgence to his career and he's been a Cy Young candidate or a Cy Young pitcher, like pitch, winning pitcher, for every, every year for the past five years at least. Um, 
So, yeah, I think that we still have more room to grow with Peterson. Um, I, I can totally see him. I definitely can see him being gone by 2025 um, because, you know, a th- what was it, like a 3-5 ERA or whatever it was. It, his stat, the point is that his stats weren't amazing. They were they were better than what we expected. Um, but it's not something that you're saying like, wow, this is the guy that I want on my team for the next tens or so years. It's definitely possible. But I was looking at uh, Sazer Puki. Um, what's it called? What's his name? Uh, no, I, I know you're talking about the lefty oh, yeah, Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, Thomas Sazapuki. Yeah, um, Pusky, whatever it is. Yeah, I yeah, know he's he's like expected to be in the MLB this year. Actually, uh, haven't much, haven't talked about him much really, or heard much about him. But it seems like teams need a left-handed pitcher, and he could step up into that role come 2025. Um, but I see him or Peterson being that left-handed starter for us. To finish my yeah, so to finish my the finish the, the episode and to fill out my rotation. So I don't think we talked about. I think so. We all have Jacob Degrom. He is signed through twenty twenty four, but he does have an opt out after the twenty twenty two season. So it could be like a situation like CC Sabathia, where like he definitely didn't want to go anywhere else besides the Yankees, but. He uh, worked out an extension. He opted out, but the Yankees ended up extending him anyway. So I think the same things that happened here, DeGrom will be a lifelong Met. Uh, I think so. I'm, 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 on, I'm on the only one without Noah Syndergaard because I don't have Syndergaard I resigned. So. Okay. I, I had Stroman at first, but Stroman is just m- like much older than Syndergaard is. So okay. I, I can't see him still being like at the level he is by that time. Okay, so I'm not super high in Stroman to begin with, so I think he's, you know, after the qualifying offer, he's he's done. Syndergaard is tough to, you know, he's going to be wanting like 20, 25 million, like ace level money, and he's only had one year of, do, you know, providing that, and I have a lot of money spent elsewhere on the roster. I, you know, I'm re-signing Conforto, I'm re-signing Alonzo, re-signing McNeil, re- you know, extending DeGrom, signing Trevor Story. So I don't, the Mets are going to be like drunken sailors like the Yankees or even like the Dodgers at some times. So the payroll will be like, I think with all those and George Springer, I forgot, you know, George Springer will be at the end of his deal in this scenario. So I'm going with a young homegrown rotation. I'm going with DeGrom. Uh, I'm letting Stroman and Syndergaard walk. Um, I'm assuming like Jacob to Rizzi or some like mid-level guys are like off the books by then. Like, you know, if the, if the Mets sign some one or two year deals this off season for, for uh, like veterans, but Matt Allen will will eventually fill in like uh, Alex, you know, like everyone said. Matt Allen, JT Ginn, uh, Wolf, and even Peterson. I have Peterson in the rotation too. Um, I don't think he'll ever be an ace, but I think you know you can't hate on him for being like a back end starter. So I have him in my rotation. So yeah, that's uh, I filled out my roster, and I don't know if we have too many disagreements. I think we all have George Springer. We all have Jacob Degrom. I think we all extended Michael Conforto. Um, we have most of our prospects. We don't have any big trades for. We have we all have Mauricio on our rosters and Alvarez. So this is a very, and we also extended a lot of our homegrown players. So I don't think it's, and we all have Springer. So I don't. Yeah, everybody's think, roster is like like pretty much the same, just difference well, of where we're putting them. I think they're just gonna really focus on. I could, I did play around the idea of them signing like a Jose Barrios or like a Soroka or like a Jack Flaherty, like an ace level pitcher to pair with Degrom. But if we're, if we're investing so much money in 
re-signing our homegrown position players. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but who knows how like how much you know will change within the next five years. So this is just a fun thing to especially talk about the prospects too. You know, talk about how Beatty and Mauricio could be in the same lineup as Pete Alonso and Michael Conforto, and maybe see if we can develop the next big five of Gin Degrom can mentor you know Degrom can mentor these younger pitchers in the next few years as Degrom's on his way out. So hopefully, uh, we're gonna have, uh, you know there's also gonna be um, you know like five drafts up until then. So there's this will certainly not be the um, the roster that will have and there'll be trades too there'll be trades too but like not only that they're gonna be you know kids who i mean if we look in five years they're gonna be kids who are you know like 18 that are getting drafted that you know they're gonna be developing around that time for the mets how about like all the 16 year old international prospects that they're gonna sign yeah well i mean we'll yeah exactly and sometimes these international prospects we see uh, come up a little bit earlier than uh, other players just because they've been playing against men their, uh, earlier in their life instead of just other high schoolers. So like, um, it's just very interesting. I, I actually want to do some research into, uh, you know, let's go back to 2015 and predict what the roster, you know, looked like in 2020. Yeah. Just doing a similar method, looking at our top prospects. So a few years ago, our roster, our predictions for 2020 would have been super, like who would have thought Pete Alonzo would have broke out the way he did. You know, same thing for Jeff McNeil. So you never know if these types of things, but this was a very fun exercise looking at, you know, mixing the past and the future together and, you know, looking at that with the potential of adding free agents. So this was fun. Uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. Hopefully we have some more Mets news to report. But until then, see you guys until next time.